Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, DJ here. I just want to take some time to talk about Werewolf the Apocalypse Retaliations by Flyles Games. This soon-to-launch game is brought to you by the same team that's bringing you Vampire the Masquerade chapters, and they just released a trailer to go along with it. We at 25 invite you to check it out at werewolfthepocalypse-retaliation.com to catch a peek at the trailer and be updated of when it'll appear on Kickstarter, which seems to be early 2022. The game promises to have everything that made chapters endearing to us, the fans, including scenarios, investigations, beautiful miniatures, and more. With that, thanks for your time. Welcome back, everybody, to another 25 Years of Masquerade podcast presents. This here is the Trails of Blood Nash, the most recent uh, V5 supplement. I apologize. Trails of Ash and Bone, as I... Let, don't let me name it. It has a name, <laughs> right? Uh, so, uh, it's uh, to add to our V5 experiences we've known to uh, love and grow here. Uh, I, of course, am Bob, and I owe up to my mistakes, folks. I have to remind myself daily. And today I'm accompanied by Mike, or otherwise known as Big Mike. What's up, yo? Then we have DJ. Hey, everyone. Marcel. What's going on, guys? And Brennan. Hey, everyone. I know everyone's not used to, to Marcel. We're, uh, we're stepping him up. It's time to, to open up doors a little bit, use talent a little better, as he's more comfortable with, uh, with all things that we do here at 25. And uh, we're getting him in the mix, as it said. And so today we're going to go over this book with him. Now, I was excited when I saw this book coming because we really didn't have any idea. Um, it's just uh, something that slipped through. We were waiting for the next supplement, and this was like, surprise. We left this here, says them. And uh, I was like, okay, let's uh, let's check it out. And the team tackled it with uh, all dual plumb. And what I got to tell you is, guys, I'm very, very impressed with it. Um, this book does what I like to call put me in my place. I know I know. I myself personally was like not really feeling the whole Oblivion combo. We threw Ob 10 and became Oblivion and all that to changes. Everybody, the old guard all had this kind of this feel of it. It was like, uh-huh, we'll see what else they come out with. And people kind of adopted this blow after blow after blow. Um, but I did always have this fiat that I threw out there. We'll see what uh, what he does with it. You know, the Brit, the one and only, right? I wanted to see what he came up with because uh, the man wrote The Worm, right? Book of the Worm Town. He knows depths. He knows darkness. He knows how to bring it there. And I feel for the longest time he had his hands tied for whatever reason. Like, there's just certain things he wouldn't step to to go to that level. And here we are in a book where it looks like he has more control. Definitely has his writing uh, is in here because you, you can feel it. And um, just the layout of, even of this book. I mean, from the artwork to the stories chosen, uh, I really feel this book is now the V5 I love. Right? This ties it together. Um, I'm a super fan of it. I've always said that uh, necromancy was a hallmark to my black soul. Uh, when it comes to vampire, because I really feel that the dark arts are part of what like Dracula used back in the day when you worry about that. And they're not supposed to be pretty. They're all supposed to be soul-wrenching, nor are they mm -hmm. easy to do, and they have an effect. And this book hits you pound for pound with that. Also, it had an objective, right? It said flat out that it wanted to do something where uh, it shows the cults in, in an interesting way, right? And uh, what I mean by that is, is that uh, there's a quote... Let me make sure I don't butcher it here. That says, cults lead to grandeur, cults lead to destruction. That's sung to me. I always believed in that. It doesn't matter what small niche group you get into. When you add the occult and you add power and the pursuit of power and fanaticism, someone's getting hurt. Doesn't matter who it is. It's going to help you maybe in the beginning, but somewhere down the line, that cult's going to ask something of you that takes it too far. You're going to take it too far. Someone wants to lead, someone not, and the daggers come out and the skullduggery begins. That's what you're going to have, and that's just an example. Is there a way a cult actually does good in a neighborhood? Yeah, and then it's called a religion. Right? It's amazing how that happens. You're a cult if you're doing harm, but you're a religion. When everyone can accept a calm message that kind of unites a community... And no one's getting hurt for it, right? That's always my mm -hmm. own personal definition between the two. But the opening story is by an author, uh, Joshua Allen uh, Deutsch. I hope I pronounced that right because uh, I don't want to say what I thought it was initially um, because it just sounds off, right? It's spelled D-E-U-T-S-H, and i just not comfortable with the pronunciation of it in the wrong way, so I'm going to go with that. Um, but Joshua, I want to say that you knocked it out of the park. In, in the intro story, Revelations in the Water, 
that is not water, you do something beautiful that I've been waiting to see again. I haven't seen this since, uh, you know, the World of Darkness was hungry back in the day when they started the Giovanni stuff and they were hungry to shock you. They had to compete with the Zemisi clan and all that out there. How do we make necromancers uh, bad in a different way? And, you know, Justin Achilles stepped up and used a bat to it and brought that La Costa Nostra family incest creepy level there. And he set a standard. And I was like, I've always had the opinion, I'm not going to see anybody step to that standard. Then Joshua's story here proved me wrong. I love being proved wrong when it's right. And he does something in this intro story where he describes this Carmen, right? Carmen Giovanni's kind of walking around and uh, doing her thing at a family outing, preparing for the Hikata to have a, have a meeting with the Camarilla. They're going to come, hang out, whatever. However, there's a wraith. It's told through the view of a wraith. Beautiful choice. Because the author saves him writing. I always hate being the person when I'm writing a story myself where I'm, I'm just slowed down by the pedantic BS of a scene. Right? If I describe a scene and you know it's a warehouse, you know it's run down and it's old, I shouldn't have to give an address. I shouldn't have to label feet and the size. The scope of my descriptions should paint in your mind's eye where we're located. And he does this exact. Because to this wraith sitting here, there's so much that it's taking in that are like the emotional emotional flitting of living beings to a wraith, right? Actually uses the words as a wraith he feels he's haunted by humans. Because if the human has a great emotional presence, it's impactful. He could see them as, as clear, you know, almost. Uh, however, but if you're servants or you're not really relevant to where he where he's at, it's like you're there in a flicker and you're gone. And that's that's a hell of its own, right? Like, you know, how do you know what's solid, what isn't, what's real to you, what's not? And it's beautiful to see it. Also, it describes so when Carmen's in the room, there's a point where this this thing comes to approach Carmen as, as uh, she's talking uh, to someone else, and uh, he has to cut it down. Has to draw his sword, which is just an echo of the sword he had, and just chops it up. And I feel Joshua understands Wraith the Oblivion on the level that the company wanted, and it's there. And this story is everything. Anyone who wants to understand necromancy needs to understand Wraith the Oblivion. I'll say it for him if they're not going to say it. You cannot sit in a V5 supplement only and hope to do justice to Wraiths if you've never read Wraith. And I'm only saying that because you're shorting yourself. Not that you can't give it a go of a good old ghost story, but to get why Wraiths do what they do in the society and everything else and this story is to dig, dig, put your feet in the water a little bit and understand where it comes from. And you're going to get why necromancy is dangerous. There's also things chosen for the profanity level in this story that make it sweet, right? With just enough to make you uncomfortable. Uh, what is it? There's a, there's a bird it describes in here. This is a gourmand's meal. Carmen Giovanni's choosing a repast for, their, for her guests, and it has to be just right. What's eerie about it is that it also describes Carmen as being somebody as a socialite. Everybody loves Carmen. She was the type of Giovanni type of person that remembers the names and faces of servants. And treats them at the level of dignity. However, the punishment she must levy when they mess up is just... It's its the opposite, right? Nice as she is, mess up, see what happened to you. Is more or less what it goes on. To that end, servants are sycophants. They have to be. Keeping everything happy, keep her smiling. She's like the drunk uncle of the household. <laughs> and when it describes... <laughs> right? When it describes this bird, though... I'm sitting here going... its a, It starts as a little bird. It's a rare special bird. And it goes through this process that would make any vegan cry. That's my personal favorite. My my wife's vegan. I can't wait to have, hey, read the story. Right? <laughs> Just to have her start throwing shit at me that Joshua exists and he could write such horror when it really isn't that bad. Right? It's it's not, I mean, it's bad, but it's not like, you know, not as bad as it could have been. I mean, he's not talking about an infant here. Uh, but the process this poor bird is tormented through just so somebody can have a delicious bite of a rare bourbon is amazing. I'm going to leave it at that. But you've been warned that that part's in there. And you will know it because it starts ramping up about a, a, a delicacy. You just got to leave it be. Just <laughs> skip a paragraph and kind of find it and you'll be good. But I bravo, Joshua. I think that is that is awesome how it was put there. Then it rolls out to the fact that when she wants to take a bath, right? This is probably, it's like the title of the thing, right? You know, the, the, the water is in water. You know, the whole thing is almost tied in here. The rituals... It's describing that she treats as just normal, is not normal, right? And that's all in the intro story. Um, I actually don't want to disclose exactly what it is, other than to say 
pay attention because that's when the horror really ramps up. What she considers normal. There's something that we do as players where we don't remember that you're trying to make something normal out of a, of a ritual, right? Like, like in any other power. And you shortchange it when you do that. If you have to prepare anything that involves uh, amputations or using the dead or someone's special locket that their granddad gave, but you can still see granddad crying over a granddaughter, there, there's nuances and flavors and levels to necromancy that's the most horrific thing vampires ever had. And it has nothing to do with vampire at that point. Right, The loss that we all can understand immerses us in what it is and the fact that they can march on the living or the threat that it could be there. And necromancers know all about it. It's like the, the worst, best-kept secret that they have there. And you would think that would make them powerful. And indeed, it does in some levels. At the same time, this power comes at a very difficult, delicate balance they have to walk. and uh, Or they can get consumed by it. And that's why it's called oblivion. And so in this, I feel Matthew Dawkins' vision of why the Lasombra's obtenebration becomes oblivion and it makes more sense, it's showcased in this book. Just in the stories and rituals that Joshua told at the intro, and the key stories that were written out here, they did a fantastic job. Now, enough of me blathering on how I think it's awesome. Um, let me ask you guys a question, though. We know how I feel, but overall, what do you feel about vampire cults in V5? Now, as compared to the introduction of them in the main V5 book, also, how does Trails of Ash and Bone help shape your uh, V5 experience overall? So when it came to to cults, right, um, I was a little iffy at first, right? And then we had the other book, Cult of Blood, um, come out, and it, it, there was a little bit more. And I still was like, okay, I understand. But with this, it came more so than from just oh we're here beware there was a, a a true feeling of uniformity when it comes to the the cult they, they describe in this book um it, it becomes away from the idea of just be wary of us more than we are actually th there's a purpose now right and and to me that made it feel like holy crap right because like you said earlier, right? If you're if you're doing bad things, you're a cult. But if you if everyone can understand you, you're a religion, right? And I feel like this lets me understand cults better in V5 and the way they go. And I don't see them as a negative anymore in regards to the overall story plot, but as an actual tool to enhance the story plot. And I like it a lot better, personally. Fair enough, Mike. What you got? Yeah, I uh, I really like what what cults do for for V five like in broad strokes, right? If you in this world where the the Second Inquisition is a real thing, and where vampires have been kind of forced even further into the shadows than they have been, it it adds unity and continuity for me to see how these creatures that we're supposed to be afraid of cloister up. And say, well, we, we hold on to this group of beliefs or we're devoted to this particular, um, way of thinking about the, maybe, you know, like with our, with our Hekata, they have certain gifts uh, around their disciplines, but a cult isn't necessarily that, right? It's just this, this is, these are the beliefs that we hold on to as monsters who have been forced to hide. Um, and so I, I, I haven't really run across one that I didn't feel like the flavor uh, added something useful uh, to, the, to the setting, the way it's described in the books. And that includes here. Outstanding so far. I wanted to say that, um, and this occurred to me one day I was just driving back and I was thinking about it as I was reading this book and I was like, oh man, I, I really want to think about how I'm going to talk about this. And it, it occurred to me that this is something that has always existed, but just never been at the forefront of it. It's always been there. We just never really gave a, a thing to it. So for example, influence, right? When we're talking about the influence background, how do you think a vampire actually gains influence in any way, shape or form, right? It's not just one person. It's a string of people. It's a string of mortals that they have. And much like in the same way that we're talking about cults, that you're, you're an antihero. Nothing good's going to come from you exerting influence. There is no good influence that you could push out right you would like to think that people's voluntary actions are what drive to to do something better for the community but once influence is placed in there and especially from the perspective of a vampire it's all bad news bears and then you start thinking about it and you're like cults in general 
even outside of the ones that have been d- demonstrated, it for a vampire is essential. A it gives you the the access to eat at whim. Two, they start protecting you and they start covering you from that second inquisition and or other people that start prying into it. Um, and it, I feel that it's just something that has always existed and this being brought to the forefront is the bridge between what people may have thought oh well a couple of dots of influence i have like a mayor in my pocket no no, you you have not only a mayor you have whatever else follows along with it and you've cultivated this and they believe in you for whatever reason whether it's blood or otherwise and you can't control what they think which is what makes cults dangerous as well once you get that ball rolling and they start believing you in god or whatever the case that the situation is you cannot control the message anymore when they start taking it over for you so i thought this was a a really, really good chef's kiss regarding um, how we touch cults in general. Last but not least, Tennessee. <laughs> so I'm uh, since uh, they were really expanded upon in Cults of the Blood Gods, I've loved the, the Blood Cults in V5 because in my mind they've added a third axis, like a Z-axis to your, to your character to add extra depth. What do I mean by Z-axis? So in my mind, when you're making a character on your X-axis, you can have like your clan, right? Because clan, of course, favor, flavors your your character, your concept. And then what the, the Y-axis would be would be the sect, whether you're Camarilla, Anarch, Sabat, and uh, whatever other sect is at the Hecata. But adding that cult there, that also adds another... Uh, another spin to it because the church of Cain has a presence in the Camarilla and different people in the Camarilla have different views on it. And certainly the church of Cain has a, a has a, an agenda there. Same thing with the ministry, right? I'm not delved deep into that, uh, in that, to that particular cult yet, but uh, there are several others inside that sect and to add more, more depth to it. Uh, it really expanding the, the factions inside these sects more. Like I, I've loved every bit of it. There's, there's magic. I would like to say that that takes time to uh, to cook, and uh, I feel this ties it together because the social strata is what I think a lot of people were missing out on. I know I certainly was trying to grasp that too, um, because when you hear a cult, how's it different than a covenant, right? We we, we review requiem as well, and I felt that cult speaks right. a covenant, right? And then once they you do. get down that road, you think of clans, and you're like, okay, well, what's a sect really? And you start throwing it in, like there's a lot of parallels, right? There's things that are very similar. And they're supposed to be, right? I say this all the time. There are seeds for a reason. And this is uh, flowering into something that I think is uh, is, is great for the Hikata. I kind of thought Hikata were a bit of a joke before. Like, we just didn't really care to flesh it out. Here it is. Here's some lore sheets. Shut up. And uh, this is like, no. No, 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 no. Um, there's a particular story that Mike's going to take over. We won't get to it yet. Old wounds, though. Uh, that uh, that kind of tied that in for me. And when I saw that um, in writing, I was more than pleased. I was, uh, I was giddy. I even ended up liking Roger to Camden, who was someone I thought of all the things to kill off, right? <laughs> and I'm glad he stuck around, actually. And uh, we'll, we'll more on that later if I, if I remember to get back to that point. But let's get to it, right? Um, right here we got the Wellspring, and DJ, I believe that is your wheelhouse. What is it? The Wellspring is an interesting story because it's all about a, a mortal cult and what ends up happening with this cult that apparently was being led at one point by a vampire. The kicker to this story is a couple of things. Number one, uh, just the, the basic plot line is you're, you get called in by the Prince of Copenhagen, actually not by the prince herself, rather by a, a gentleman by the name of Gorm, who happens to be a politic commissar, who says, hey, I need you to take care of this because the prince wants to go look after her child. Go into the woods, bring her child back. It's going to be great. Uh, that's the premise of what you went to. But what makes it interesting is your story starts because you met this character, her child, and her child was a white and the story automatically begins with your coterie having already disposed of the white in self-defense and you come to find this cult that was left behind and what i think is very very great about it is you as a, a vampire right and you as a player start to deal with broken people who are the people that actually end up in cults what type of actions do they take what do they feel in the aftermath after having lost their leader what were they brainwashing to believe in or do they see you as the next leader um, and that kind of drew me further into the story because that's what I love the most about it was definitely that human portion of the interaction with it. But it doesn't take away from what the other aspects of vampire are. What you'll end up seeing in there definitely are what did this vampire, especially in the form of Jacob, do? And as we were speaking about earlier, how do you gain influence? And one of the <coughs> things that I thought was very cheeky was there are certain sets of rules that were put up as he was creating this cult that had to take into effect. One definitely being that you give thanks to the leader of all. Okay, well, that's a normal. We, we see this in many cults that have been documented before. Um, but the other one is the leader is forever until a new leader comes. 
So that establishes that for whatever reason, this figurehead is always going to remain around and they're ready to accept this vampire under the guise of Night Stalker um, to be what it is. Nightwalker, my apologies. And uh, th- that's it's strong, very, very strong. I think the reason why I don't want to go into it, I don't want to spoil it for you. But what I will say is the fact that you have to deal with these humans uh, is probably the heaviest weight of all. And what makes it worse is at the end, remember that you do have to that's bring this chilled back over to the prince. But how do you explain to the prince what ends up happening when you already ashed her chilled from the get go? Right. I thought that was uh, I thought that was very cool. It's, it's definitely a bitter ashes scenario. Uh, in that regard, I don't think anybody wants to go back to the prince and say, yeah, you sent us to get, yeah, shit. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, I heard Albuquerque's happen. great this time of year. Right, just leave. Just get it, take it and leave. Uh, I feel that was actually a, a plausible outcome that has that going. Uh, thank you, DJ. Um, Marcel, talk about the family here. So, the family, right? Like, it was it was perfect. Like when it came to just like what you were saying earlier in the introduction, right? It, it got me hyped just for this book, and it, it gave me that insight into just socialite Giovanni. And then you get down to this section of this book, and it just it's all about this, right? Um, you're literally thrust into an unknown area. Um, the book gives you Atlantic City, but it can be any coastal region that you you decide. But AC is awesome, right? Um, but you're literally designed to investigate kindred society within Atlantic City to discover who has in fact betrayed the clan Hecata, right? And the most important factor of this is that the protagonists, our players, <coughs> determine that individual's fate. And I think that was just wicked, right? Because it's not like, oh, this is just a story. Here it is. It's like, what happens when you figure this all out? Um, now, to me, this entire section is full of intrigue, uh, misdirection, and whodunit. And when you mix that in with he said, she said bullshit, all the backstabbery that is within this entire section, you are literally in for one of the most entertaining chronicles I have literally ever read, right? I mean, literally right off the bat, you are sent in to do this investigation that is literally designed to create a personal connection with the players that they, the, the characters they made, right? But it also off the get-go introduces strife, right? That is going to unite the players and motivate them to travel to AC, right? Just to figure out what the hell is going on, right? And you're literally throughout this entire thing are just full of oh shit moments as you're going from point A to point B along AC's famed boardwalk. And it is so cool, right? Now for me, what is mind-boggling is not like okay yeah we have this question let's find the answers it's literally every path along this this journey is just oh here here's more questions here you go just just piled it on and now i didn't even figure out the first answer why do i have all this other shit to figure out and i love that right because for me personally it is literally like they became the world of darkness v5 scooby-doo gang Right. It's like (laughs) it's like this section is awesome and I love it. Right. But there is one portion of this 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 chapter that I love because for me, I know it's hard, but they have this character advice section in regards to how you're coming in. Right. Um, And why I love it, it allows the storyteller. Once everyone's made the uh, the Hercata to look at their sheets, right? See what the, the player wants to build, right? And literally be like, you know what? This is your end to, to why you're going to AC, right? And it allows the, the players to think about whether or not this personal hook of theirs is worth fighting for, worth protecting, or along the way, when you figure out what the hell is going on, is it something you give up entirely, because of what you have experienced. And to me, that is the craziest thing. Because I know for me, at the start of any kind of chronicle or story, it's always hard to get an in or feel why I'm there. And the fact that this section was like, hey, storyteller, this is this is how you're going to get your, your players involved from, from Jump Street, right? And I love that. Um, another part of this is just the way this entire section described AC, both day life and night life, because it was designed in such a way that you're supposed to feed your players, right? I'm supposed to feed you guys this bits of information that like, okay, yeah, you can go do this and you can go do that. But while you sleep, while you're dead for that day, 
Well, the world continues. While you're at this this casino or this bar, shit's still moving. And I, and I, I absolutely love that they fleshed that out and to such degree, right? Um, obviously, though, like this section also is going to you know give you your who's who, your key players and everything like that, like every book does. Um, but what I loved about this and the fact that it's all about the Hekata is that not only did they give you the key players of kindreds, they gave you mortals. They gave you people's retainers, but they gave you wraiths. They gave you poltergeists. They give you all these people that just... Well, not just people, but the spirits that make you truly feel like you are involved in an occult Hekata game. And that to me is just absolutely amazing. And I honestly believe that anybody who truly loves mystery, loves puzzles, um, any occult practices, um, but most importantly, those who have this, this strong belief of loyalty and, and defining what that means to you, is going to love this this portion in this chronicle, right? Because at the end of the day, that is what this entire chronicle is about. It's the player's loyalty and having it tested and what happens when it's tested. That is a lot said. I, I agree uh, with all of it, though. There's uh, there's insights in when they break it down for uh, for for all these stories, actually. Uh, have, have a lot of that new mechanic in there that I think people were unconsciously asking for right when they kept nudging like how do how do i get players involved how do i build it to it how do we get it to not feel like canon and be more immersive and i think that's exactly what they did um which is ironic considering most larps start that way but i don't know if you're aware of that right a larp typically <laughs> no, I've, is... I've never done a larp <laughs> so so i'll just 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 real simple it's really impossible to get 50 people to show up and just play vampire yeah you mean a character here's the city just play now they need an in they mm-hmm. need a start, and I feel that any game should have that. But I feel that uh, all the stories they've written that were modules do give an in for the characters, but do they feel comfortable with it? And this here tells you off the bat that whatever we write up, whatever in we give for the character being issued or what you make for it yourself, um, feel free to adjust it, and here's some ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what you're talking about. That's what it made. It made you feel comfortable with any decision you'd make that wasn't in a book. A lot of people have fear of doing something opposite of the book here. They encourage it. Yeah. You know, here's some, I was about to you. say exactly. And I think uh, one thing that this book does well, I think across all stories is exactly as you mentioned is uh, the hardest thing ever running a, a game in general is always getting your players to buy in to actually continue with the story rather than like, okay, well, you know, you come to a pause. It's uh, it's cool that it gives it to you, especially for newer storytellers that are taking a look at this. It's a uh, really, really, really good. And I like it. And Brentron, I know, I, off the bat, I'm going to apologize because uh, I know you, you see Golconda and I keep thinking, you're the Black Dragon, Golconda. You know, that's like, why, why are you doing, you know, what story? And I said to okay. myself, it's time to grow spiritually. And we gave you open your eyes to tell us about it, man. What did you think? So I am, I'm going to do my quick testimonial real quick. I'm In the six, seven years of playing both Requiem and Masquerade, I've known that Golconda has been a thing, and it has fundamentally been a thing that I have not cared about in those seven years, okay? So coming to this story, where Golconda is a central facet of it, I was like, all right, I'm going to suspend my disbelief that that vampires can reach enlightenment. Um, and I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did, because this, I fucking love this story. <clears throat> so open your eyes. Uh, it's got a it's got a great quote from the uh, the main the central figure of the story, uh, a faith healer named Callias, or uh, actually he's called the Golconda Guru, and his quote is: "All kindred come so close to salvation, but few are prepared to sacrifice what is necessary for their redemption." This entire story is the 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 point of this entire story is: what matters more? Is it truth or is it power. Will you sacrifice truth to gain power, or will you sacrifice power to gain truth? And it's all set to a beautiful neo-noir backdrop of Birmingham, UK, that is just, if it is described in a single word, it's stagnancy. It is, it's not growing at all. There's a huge divide between the super rich and the incredibly poor, and that defines everything, not just the kind of the city, but also typifies the kindred in the city. Now, 
in the city that has remained the same for decades on time, there is something that's upsetting the status quo, and that is the before-mentioned Golconda Guru. The prince, the prince, uh, I have no idea how to pronounce this name. I think it's Kasabon. How about we just call it the Prince of Birmingham? Yeah, Prince of Birmingham, <laughs> that's fine. There you go. Uh, the Prince of Birmingham uh, in just stuck in this decades-long cycle of boredom and ennui has had a, a spark in this Golconda guru who has come into the city and performed a series of miracles, like a faith healer. Um, Malkavian cured of madness. Uh, deathly wounds to a vampire healed in an instant. Things of this nature. Whites returning back to humanity, even. And amidst this, there are, as you can imagine, uh, skeptics who see opportunity. Your coterie is brought in and basically paid to be an investigator for hire to investigate this guru and figure out, is he legit or is he a fraud? And immediately in this story, like I'm getting, I'm getting like flashbacks to the movie, like seven and like, um, what was that movie with Angelina Jolie, Changeling, right? A lot of old investigation films. And this was just kept spurring my imagination as we kept going. This, uh, you, know, you were mentioning films, I was sitting here thinking it too. I couldn't remember the name of it. You remember the uh, Robert De Niro film? Which is the first time I've seen him playing a cult role other than uh, when, he, well, when he played Lucifer, the devil. I guess this is the second one. But the most recent one, uh, where he plays a person who's supposed to be a psychic. Yes, with Killian Murphy in it, right? Yeah, yeah. That's yes. the one that made me think of this immediately. Uh, when we, we were selected to go investigate this guy, and it was like, uh, okay, are you sure you want to? Mm-hmm. Seemed to be, I get your point. I get your point. It's like a slow burn, right? But it, it, but is. it gets there. It gets there. But I cut you off, man. Uh, you were going somewhere, I'm assuming. <clears throat> So with this investigation, um, I'm not going to spoil a lot of a lot of plot points here because this is one I really want people to enjoy. But as you, uh, there's a couple of uh, changes in the political society that's happened because of him. Anyone that's spoken out against him has been well removed by the prince, the uh, the martinet of the city, which I assume is a sheriff. I don't know if anyone can. Correct me on that. This is the first time I've heard of Martinet as an office. What, uh, made, you, what made you think it was the sheriff? <clears throat> um, references to the Martinet's deputies later on that also go missing after the Martinet goes missing. So um, a big thing in V5 is when they get to titles like for the Camarilla and whatnot, there are some main titles tradition you can get there. But they mm -hmm. always it gave me that it would change based on region. Mm -hmm. Which makes sense. Minute. Agreed. It does make sense, right? Like, um, I don't know, maybe I'm carrying a lot over from Requiem, but I, I like that because it it makes every single city feel unique, a unique flavor, right? And, and shouldn't they? I mean, we got to remember, mm -hmm. the biggest part about uh, V5 is that it eliminates and shatters this August organization and expands the world over. And that, like, you know, there's an inner council that rules all, and more it feels like, well, it's elders. It's elders who agreed on an alliance uh, to make things happen against another sect that did the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. That's what I always felt it became, so it was less monolithic and more, uh, you know, boots to ground mm -hmm. is what I think. So, yeah, so that's that's the title. I would agree with you. I, I had that same impression. Um, but what I want to ask, what was your favorite part about this story? Well, it, that might be a plot reveal. Let me, let me correct that. Other than the title difference, which is refreshing, right, if, I, if I'm mm -hmm. reading it right, um, is there something that stood out that you were like, yeah, this is the story to play through, and I, you know, would you like to play through it as a player? I would love to play through this, and I, I do have a favorite part of this story, and it is, I don't know how to describe this other than the, the direction of the story. You and I have talked a lot, Bob, about uh, games I enjoy, uh, especially in a, a previous podcast on The Seven. I'm a very action-oriented guy. I, I like fast-paced action a lot. Uh, high speed, low drag has been a, a model of mine for years. <laughs> However, this is one of the first... Uh, I, this is actually the first uh, 
story printed that I've seen take a purely investigation approach because combat is certainly has opportunities in this story. It's actually few and far between listed here. It is always focused on unraveling the mystery of just who is this, this, uh, Golconda guru that's appeared in Birmingham. I think to add to that as well, right? <clears throat> I, I found this story really great for the sole reason of it played out like a movie in my head, right? And Calais, uh, the, the guru himself, you don't know what he is. And I think one of the better parts about it is like even having conversations, how could you tell him apart from anything else? Is he telling the truth? Is he not telling the truth? Is he what he's supposed to be? Like, you don't know. And I think I find him as a central figure in all of this, the best part of the story. Yeah, no, that, I have to agree with that. Like there was this um, this idea that it's like, like like he was saying earlier, you're kind of paid to investigate. So it's like, what's it really matter? Because you're kind of a, an investigative mercenary kind of per se, in my opinion. But just the way it's described, it, it makes me feel like as a player, I would be like, okay, now nah, really, I'm really interested. Now I need to know, fuck, screw the money, right? I need to know for a personal, because what if he is real and mm -hmm. like, can he really do this and how, like to me that, that mystery is, was just awe inspiring and, and honestly catching. Last but not least, big Mike, old wounds. Oh man, there's a lot going on here. Okay. Um, in terms of atmosphere, right? We get, uh, I, I like the, the, the cinematic comparisons as well. Right. So there's, there's flavors of eyes wide shut. Um, there's flavors of, uh, John Wick too, right? You guys remember that sequence where, uh, the, the, yep. the lady has to take her bath, right? And she's got the bodyguard and John comes to the room and they have this quick little conversation, um, before she, you know, loses her life. Spoilers. Um, but there's also flavors of, uh, the, the good shepherd, right? And I don't know how many people have seen the good shepherd, but it's this movie about, um, the starter to CIA. The CIA? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Because while the veneer of this story is this great big ball in Florence, right? Where there's Camarilla elements and there's, uh, it's, it's hosted by the Hakata and you get, uh, sprinklings of all of the little clans that make up the larger clan of death at this point. Um, there's also this undercurrent of, some of the people here are like here for the, the theatrical and the impressing one another with their presence. But some of the people here are here because this is the best place to whisper and get things done and have it be beneath the notice of the sort of folks that you would uh, on a different occasion have to worry about listening into your conversations with the with the shady bits of what oblivion will allow you to do. Um but if, if that wasn't enough, right, to kind of get you interested in, in jumping into the story, um, you have, you have your, 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 your highlights as far as the characters that they include, right? Our old buddy Roger Camden is here. Um, you have your, uh, how do I say that? Hakata necromancer flavor, kind of like you were talking about in the beginning, Bob, that I, I feel like doesn't always in all material come through as strong. Like you can tell me that a book is about cults without it having content that makes me feel like I'm learning about this cult. You know what I'm trying to say? Like I can, I, I can tell you that I, I practice whatever faith, but that is different than you taking me to one of your places of worship. Mm -hmm. And like introducing me to the people with titles and showing me what the particulars are for how you practice. Like a show and you don't get tell. exactly you get all of that here too. Um, but then on top of that, which I shouldn't say on top of that, adjacent to that, there's this one particular character. Um, and I don't even know if I should call refer to them as a character. Um Okay, another movie reference. Has anybody, you guys have seen The Wrath of Khan, right? Yes. Yes. Do you remember the relationship between Kirk and Khan? Yes. Do you yes, remember how much Khan hated Kirk? 
right? Kirk is kind uh-huh. of, you know, he's, he's kind of lukewarm, right? There's a character in this story that is the outcome of the deep, deep hatred between two practitioners of oblivion, two La Sombra, going past even their life of undeath, right? They hated each other so much that when they go to the underworld, they become the same entity. Uh, that, that was compelling to me in a way that I have not been compelled in a very, gonna, very long time. I'm going to throw something at you too. Here's why you weren't compelled. Um, often you read canon that can't happen, mm-hmm. right? They tell, they tell you flat out and it, it's, by, by the way, they don't tell you it cannot happen. You read that most vampires just, they're gone. You don't get to become a wraith. You're immortal. Like your time on earth was long enough. Be gone. Right. Is what they lead you to believe. <laughs> but then you see the, uh, you know, like Becca Shahad diary and Augustus Giovanni uh, or what have you. Well, not him. Uh, the other Giovanni, the Cappadocian founder. I don't know why. Augustus. Cappadocius. Um, <laughs> no, Cappadocius itself. It, it, it's ah, fragment mm-hmm. of its soul left around in the Shadowlands was a big reveal. Right. You read that going, you can't do that. Well, he's an antediluvian. And suddenly we've broken that fourth wall. Like we're like, oh, OK. Mm-hmm. He's an antediluvian. He kind of the rules don't really apply. That's just the way it works, right? And you're golden for that. And uh, that's uh, that's how it works. But then when you flip it to the other side of the coin, and you're thinking to yourself, well, why can't you tell a story where something like that happens if it comes out horribly tragic or anything under the sun? And the answer mm-hmm. is, this is what I like about V5 writing. It's taking what we took. There is elitism back in the day when it comes to mm-hmm. a lot of the writing where people could, everybody hated this person. Well, I, actually, in the main rule book on page 312, it states empirically that you can't do this because of this, that, and the other thing. And and in your head, you're like, kill this person. <laughs> like, I, I know what you mean. Just stuff them uh. somewhere uncomfortable. And you, we just don't ever want to talk to that person again, right? But then you turn around and goes, it is my best friend. We play every weekend. I just wish this guy wouldn't rules layer so much, right? Like, get off the book and tell the story. And that's what happens. It usually takes years for that to get there, right? People to get over. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know the rules well. Tell the story then. And then here they're like, hey, man, everybody lighten up. Do your thing. Enjoy. Everyone can enjoy this material. I like that. Because when you see what he did, what they did, I don't know who wrote this, but I love it. Because mm-hmm. what you were talking about, Mike, how this starts off at being uh, eyes wide shut. Mm-hmm. What I got mm-hmm. was Giovanni Chronicles. That's where my head drifted to. Yeah. Right? Where yeah, it talks I can see about that. Mm-hmm. Carmen again and brings up the fact that this is a social combat heavy story. Where people are like slipping daggers subtly in each other back and forth out in the opening. Can you pick that up? Can the players figure that out? And you're really going to get to know that system to make it quick and easy to do. And it's going to matter more. If you think about the V5 rules for social combat, and here's me rules lawyering, but to a purpose. Go back and run that Dark Ages again. Like try to update that Giovanni Chronicles to be the social rule. And I bet you get a more interactive, more compelling, and more immersive story that the players feel involved in. Because where we're not slaying each other... On the open scale, we're definitely picking up that so-and-so doesn't like so-and-so. And that comment, ooh, mm-hmm. deep burn. Oh, we learned this lore. We're not supposed to hear that. Aren't we just Joe PQ neonates? And then slowly yep. the neonates realize we're going to die. We're going to get killed. <laughs> there are far too many secrets being dropped here, right? And we're being forced to pick sides. And then they do one more, right? Carmen's a problem because I really like this character. Right, they did it to me again. There was a Nas, there was a quintessential Nas I liked that they released, right? V5, it was awesome uh, to go over. And now we're here, and I'm like, Carmen's such a Giovanni. Like, it's Isabella Giovanni seems like a rank amateur by comparison, because mm. Carmen's like, like you're going to love me. Oh, you're going to love me. You're going to hate me and fear me, and you need to. And to do all that in one, that's hard to pull off, and it does it well. In particular, I'm biased. That brass, that brazen bull that they're talking about, there was a statue on display in uh, the Art Institute of Chicago forever. And why this haunted me, before we knew this was released and Boomin was out, I was in a conversation about that experience. Like, literally five days before this was released. Where I was like, oh man, that bull was cool because there was this cool thing it did where it cooked people on the inside of it. And it was terrible and some ruler used it. And blah, blah, blah. But, like, you couldn't hear the screams because, you know, all that would come out of it is this weird bull noise. Because it was designed uh-huh. to make the the noise escaping that sound that way. You know, it was it was molded that way. What a horrible thing to do. And I was like, but compelling. Like, to know that existed, it was there, it was cool to walk through. That's what got me into art to go, these are stories more than just, oh, it's off. Don't you enjoy this, Elysia? <laughs> is what we were talking uh-huh. about, right? 
the art should mean something. And to the person telling the tale, that's what values, that's what makes the art valuable. And if it compels everybody who hears it, well, naturally everybody wants it. And that's kind of what the point is. When you read this, though, I went, oh, they like took my bull story and shit in it. Because it's one thing to read about that back in the day, some horrible tyrant did this to like establish an ironclad rule. But now Carmen's walking around and Carmen wants to feed you and make sure you're having a nice night. And isn't it cool? And then Carmen's going to pull you aside and go, if you like the bull, oh, man, I made this mask that makes musical noise. You got a retainer handy? We'll just have them wear it and I'll show you what it's all about. What are you talking? Wait a minute. If you scream in the bull and a bull noise comes out, you made a mask that if they scream in the mask, what sound comes out? It's beautiful. You need to hear it. <laughs> what? <laughs> right? That's what that hit me with. Like, now get me away from this thing. What is worse than you here? Thank you. I thought it was good. I'm sorry, Mike. I had to crow about those points real quick. But I mean, but I mean Car- Carmen is the same type of person who's going to eat an Ortolan. Right? It's You can appreciate the exquisite... That bird, I think it's called an Ortolan bunting. Um, the one you you put a a, um, a napkin over your head. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. The prologue story bird. No, no. Don't step on Joshua's work. That, that's okay. the intro story. Right. Let them go there. Let them go there. What you can <laughs> okay. talk about is turducken. Yeah, but but Carmen is the type of person that is stuff a possum in a turkey, right? Like, or a baby. <laughs> like, this, we, we not, this turducken is too regular, right? I, I don't know why y'all laughing. I, you don't pass up like good possum. That's good eating. <laughs> what, what is, look, <laughs> Some wait, wait, backwater mountain. What are you talking it's, about? It's country hey. folk stuff in New York. You wouldn't understand. I you don't. Possum, <laughs> <laughs> bruh. If I see a oh. possum, I'm wa- running the other way. Them things are evil. That's her. That's no, they're not. Talk to Carmen right, about this it. This is a different conversation. I'll enlighten you later. I'm sorry, Mike. Talk to Carmen <laughs> about it. Look, but no. So the, the the point is, old wounds is a is a murder mystery as well. Um, and I would add to that. Uh, of all the chapters in of the in this book, I would m- most recommend that you restrict all your characters to being members of Clan Akata. You don't have to, and none of them are written the way that you have to. But no, nah, no, nah, nah, I'll come over the top. There's no way ahead. I write, I, I play that, and then don't be Hakata. Yeah, right. Like, thank, thank you. You have thank so you. much. Yeah, no, you have so much be. diversity, yeah. or at the very okay. least. You be so that just redneck Shamir that learned necromancy on the side, so you shut up and play. Either way you want to do it, you should be something tied to them, right? Have oh, that go redneck Tremere necromancer. That's whatever you got to do to get in the game. Yeah, no, you know, like, oh, you're going to love some of this gumbo. There's got to be a no, There has to be. Yeah, there, there's no way you can have that story and not have oblivion. Like, I'm sorry. You can't. This is, it, it, it leads to it. Yeah. It, it yeah, does. so you got to, you got to, you got to, you got to more than more so, than more than most. So, so let me let me continue dancing with you, Mike, on this because uh, uh, kind of was sweet in this spot anyway. But uh, Roger de Camden, where I fell in love with them in this story, was one was the artwork. This is gonna sound weird to y'all, but when they're like, "Here's a canon character," and the artwork doesn't fit, I throw it out my mind, <laughs> right? Because like <laughs> the, the words you write can't hold if the art isn't correct on what's there. I need it there. I need that form to get what you had in mind to dance with it. They need to meld with it. It needs to work. And here, this cold bone masked Roger de Camden standing up, and I will even add, where I didn't like the fact that, you know, he had Mithras in his back pocket or vice versa, because I liked them standing on their own. Because I enjoyed mm. Mithras where it's like I have my pocket Cappadocian. They were supposed to die, not I. I'm so ventral. He will not be killed. Not only will he not be killed, he is my Seneschal. And you will deal with it. That's how yep. I saw Mithras. And that, and that was that. And did Camden got to walk? What do you do? And then more or less, that's still there. It's just maybe the delivery's off. And did Camden's slicker than that. And he's very he's very Dawkins in that, right? Me and Dawkins north and south. <laughs> and I always feel he does it smoother. So there's that smooth UK style, right, that he throw out. And I'm very American about it. But anyway, did Camden's here being evil. Just the way he is, right? There was no, like, Mithraic bull focus it was no, no. This about this Hakata time. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. about Hakata business. We're here yeah. handling what's ours right now, and oh, unfortunately, you players are a guest, and you get to be <laughs> here. And I'm like going, oh, this is that side of Roger D. Camden that if you've been playing with the other supplements, 
where he was all like, oh, come join, and yes, welcome again, and my lover's about this. The world is anew, and everything's lovely. You get here, and it's like he threw that down, that persona down the stairs. Yeah, because that's, that's him when he's not with family. That's him at work. That's yep, him when he's got yeah. the professional face on. This this <laughs> is this is the family reunion with all of the cousins who was talking all of that shit when he was younger, and now he's bigger than all of them. And it's like, hello, I'm back. <laughs> I'm well employed and I'm more successful than you. What's good? <laughs> this even this even has shades of flossing, right? Where they're styling in this story when they're talking about Florence. This is just what you were talking about Atlantic City, Marcel. They did it in Florence here, too. I think everywhere they did it. Where the flavor in here is like, we own this place. This ain't just where the Hikata are, Jack. We it's own every ours, step. Yeah. Every hmm. step. You can't have a hobo chat to you on the side about where the bus stop is for a glass of wine or whatever you trade culturally. And I'm not from Florence. I'd like to think that <laughs> wine is everywhere and olives are free. But that's that's how it is. But you can't talk to that cat without the Hikata going, we know what's going on. Right, that's that's how it goes. There's also a thing too where, um, if you remember the the creep factor of, I believe it was Venice where the Harbingers were, and this is in Becca Shahid diary, how they were like a society mm-hmm. that hid in the water. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. The Florence, the what are they with the p word? The p word. The the, the p word. scenes. No, no, no. Not it wasn't part of the clan. It was like older an older offshoot of the clan. That were as old as the Cappadocians and Primaskin, what they would have been. You know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Primacine. Primacine. Yeah. Yes. Primacine. Yes. Primaskin, Hiding in the water, sneaking out. Y'all thought y'all was Hikata. We the real Hikata. Check this out, blood. You come down to the <laughs> river, you gonna see what's what. Right. Yeah, I remember that. There was, there was like stuff, but that's old, well, my point is the old world feel. I've always felt that America was Giovanni, right? Yeah. yeah. They're slurping pasta, making meatballs, and forcing them to make all the money. Right mm. is what's going on in America, and there's some ghosts, but we don't get into that. And then the older the the country, right? You get over to Europe, and suddenly you better know your history as in the dead. Mm-hmm. They're still here calling shots. Yeah. You know, you thought there was a bunch of neonates owning this estate, came over, talking all that yay, and suddenly they not only know where to live and what to do with, they got your own ancestors ratting you out so they can get some <laughs> peace and quiet. Right, because you know, try Jesus, not them. Right, that's kind of how it goes. And uh, they land that in this story, but they do it with a smile. That's the thing I enjoy about it too. It's like they're approachable. Unfortunately, you know, I, I thought that was good. Uh, but Mike, if there was one point, because everybody had that, and I feel I might have stole the thunder mm-hmm. a little bit. But if there's one point, you were like, this, this is my jam in this story. What was it? Um. I, I gotta say, if I'm if I'm being honest, man, that that point was stolen by our two specters. Like the story's, it's good, it's good, it's good from start to finish. There's these these this uncertainty about who and what motivation uh, at you know for the murder at the center of the tale. But when I think of moving through a ball. And having to wonder if some wraith is going to come screaming out of the bathroom mirror and punch me in the face with outrage. But it never happens, right? And then I go to uh, begin this investigation and this horrific thing that it's just, I'm trying not to say say all the stuff. You got to, you just got to play it. You just got so. Play. Would you say the pressure of it, the pressure of the threat of it happening, is ever present in the story? Like you yeah. never feel safer that you're not watched. Paranoia is a part of it. You can never. The way I describe these people, you can never believe that it is going to be a peaceful Elysium like it's supposed to be. Right? For anybody who has ever stepped out of Elysium for a smoke and gotten jumped. You expect that to happen, except you don't have to be outside the building. You can go into a bedroom to have a private conversation with some elder who you wanted to be nice to and find yourself just, oh, I'm on the other side now. How do I get back? I don't know anything about necromancy. I just do finances. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, just do finances. And it, right? And it, there's, you just can't get away from that. And when you can pull that out of a setting... With a story that's not even a story. This is a module. This is pieces of a story that you're supposed to mix and match for yourself. And in spite of that, the I, atmosphere I, is you can cut it with a, with a knife. 
I want a Florence Chronicle now. I demand it. I, I will read this. It, Mike. I, this is this is session one of a Giovanni game that I have been wanting to play for two years now. I'm making I a sheet. I just want to play the. I just want to play the accountant who gets thrown to the shadow. I was like, you need me. You don't know how to use like the Robin Hood app on your phone to get your money. <laughs> this, this is true. <laughs> I would be down to play something like this. It, it, it was a good story. It really was. Um, but, but that said, we get to the uh, couple good things in here. Number one, in this book, they do have uh, samples, at least in old wounds. They have like kindred ruffians. If in case you were looking for more fodder to slap together mm-hmm. that might that might suit you, they have sample templates in here. They also have wraiths and shambling horrors to give you more antagonists to kind of quick, fast, in a hurry, throw up yes. to, to dance with. Now, these are tailored to the story, one being, of course, the Hungry Gestalt, but at the same time gives you a great idea of how you might do some of your own and special combination thereof. Um, but the lore sheets, this is something uh, uh, This is something that's pretty typical, right? Lore sheets, I think by now we're used to them. I hope we are because mm-hmm. they're in everything. Uh, but they're like, you know, extra background tie-ins. It's much like you said, Marcel. How do I start a character, hit the ground running, having some background? Lore sheets, how you do it. Yeah. I hate to say it. You want to tailor it. You're having trouble coming up with a background. Read some lore sheets. I bet you piece together some stuff real quick. Gotcha. It's not It's not hard, but just in case it is, here it is here. And they got the Ruby Throat, which I believe is a gambling parlor in Atlantic City, right? Yeah, um, mm-hmm. the, the Ruby yeah. Throat is all, all about, like, the... That, that idea of, of of bringing it together, like the, the family story. And then uh, this lore sheet, I just thought the, the two of them uh, obviously were meant to, to, to coincide. There's no way you can't, right? Like it, it's, it, it is. It's all about that gambling aspect. And then we roll to the uh, the descendant of Roger de Camden, you know, naturally uh. the characters only. But I also think uh. this artwork is hysterically awesome. Right, it, It's I, great. This 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 skull mask he has on reminds me of like uh, at first it struck me sideways because it reminded me of that old like PS one game with that skeleton knight. You know what I'm talking about? I do. I can't remember I the name of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, that look. I saw this. That's not him. That's his face. That's his mask. What's bro? his mask? No, it's gotta be. We're not even debating this, man. That's just like Marcel. It's not. Wait, you're still wearing your glasses, Marcel. Didn't we find out you didn't need those? Look, look. Look, look. Maybe look, look. Because look, 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 look at the picture, right? It's like it's not. Right, it's sunken on. in. Hold on. It's like it's shade. It's sunken in, right? And it, it's it's like whited I, out. I'm giving you. I'm giving you the same look Roger DeCanton is giving us when we look at him in that picture. <laughs> okay. All I need is like a goblet look, of blood. Don't mess. Show don't disdain. mess with my immersion. That's his face. <laughs> I won't mess with your immersion, but your immersion has like orcs. <laughs> or like some, some some ogre like thing happening on the camp. Man, that's a mask. Look, I got you, but you know, I right. respect your ability to be wild and odd and wrong. But all right, we're, we're going there. It is. You quit heckling New York. That's your problem. You play too much. <laughs> um, but let's 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 turn it over to some of y'all real quick. What's the relics of the veil, Brennan? Um, I mean, they're they're relics. Of the veil, things like, um, you know, uh, torn shroud. I don't know. They're, they're not. This is this is kind of striking me sideways. I'm not entirely sure in. what to make of these. Please do go for it, DJ. The reason why is because this was actually one of the things that we saw um, in previous ones, such as I believe it's either in Let the Streets Runs Red or in Chicago Folios, where there's a segment where you actually have lore sheets for items, artifacts that you that were in previous supplements that you never got to touch ever again, right? <laughs> but what makes this cool is that this is the Wraith version of it. This is for you actually getting to play with certain types of fetters or things that would help you, especially as a necromancer that you might be able to pluck and pull. So if you didn't have the imagination for it because this is probably your first foray into V5 and or you've not had any background with Wraith or how their mechanics work, this is a very good introduction to be able to kind of get you into it. So and These are power items for that. So what you just heard is what happens when... When, when Brennan has to explain a section, he's not necessarily enjoying too much because he's like, ah, oh, they're just items. <laughs> right? That's the advantage. Yeah, Which is just an IT, IT guy slam through it and go, ah, Codex, Cassidus, uh, Nails of Dismas, Burning of, yeah, Necromancy, cool, nothing, story, ah, Bob, whatever, I'll read it later. Then it bounces back and then you have DJ, nah, man. 
That's relevant. That shit's some shit. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Thank you, DJ. Pick it on your brother. It's always a pleasure. Now, ah, you're not wrong. <laughs> so, so jumping to the Oblivion ceremonies, they got new ones here too, right? They got a level threes in here, uh, dancing with a couple. They got like uh, Nit the Veil of Forteza Sindonica, which if uh, I, of course, butchered it, you could pronounce it better. Mm-hmm. Of course you can. Um, we won't let Brennan do it because we want to stay liking him. We want to keep him on the show. Oh, we're not certain yeah. how that's going to come out. Uh-huh. Um, so we're <laughs> leave that where it is. But no, um, I can't say enough that V five saves rituals. Yeah, I, I'm it absolutely sick, does. I'm sick to death of even now when you play a V twenty or you know go back older if you happen to be in those campaigns where it's like I ah, just burn a candle and high five a dead guy and this stuff happens. You know, like to oh, redeem myself real quick. This level four death rattle is the most dope ritual I've ever read out of like all masquerade and requiem. Hands down, it is. That is it my allows favorite. a caster to impart the vision of the death a wraith suffered into another person. I can't imagine a better like spanking for a Giovanni. Right, because they're their family members. Obviously, you got to punish people sometimes, and maybe death isn't always required or stealing their soul. I will just impart this vision of how I ripped apart, you know, this mortal, like from like sternum to to like pelvis, <laughs> while I had this golden face mask on them to make their screams turn into beautiful calliope music or whatever the mask <laughs> did. <laughs> no, I agree with you. That well my said. My favorite one. Well said. Uh, it is also my favorite one. Um, they, the others, though, are there, too, because uh, they're, they're there for strategists, right? Um, the Nith the Veil is clearly there to stop all the shenanigans. If you're having problems with the dead uh, pestering you, you want to make it more uh, sh- more strong to deal with that is there. and Because uh, it uh, sears shut any weaknesses in the shroud, you know, the jumping from one side to the other. And, and this is where it is. Uh, typically, you're used to a release of powers that have an attack base. And uh, these, are, these are thinking uh, rituals, in my opinion. Stuff where you may not necessarily want them exactly for what it seems, and there may be some other ways you could use it. Or, what I like to think of, there's also, you look at this, what other rituals can you think of that you can add to your game from it and they aid in that, right? Ingredients like powdered bones, salt, a steel chain long enough to encircle the desired area, which you may not think that's hard. That is actually pretty hard to get. That's not just laying around. The caster's vitae, another thing, right? A severed human finger... You're you're kind of probably not that hard and a metal basin, okay? But the process is the steel chain is laid along the circumference of the desired area, so you're not doing an entire building unless unless you can. And God bless your chain ability. And then you have uh, uh, meeting and leaving no gaps is the key to it, right? Specifically targeting that, and it's the circle mentality, right? Protection and whatnot. It's very much a cult based in that regard. So whether circle is solved, warding circles, right? It's all there. Um, but you mix the ingredients into a basin, and then you're supposed to wipe down the chain by hand with your blood. Is another thing that goes to it. Right now, I enjoy this uh, for 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 what it is. Um, if anything, when you have a ritual that goes this deep, when they describe it this much, you almost don't care what the system is. Right, regardless of the system is, you know what it's supposed to do. You know what they got to do to do it. It's not necessarily easy and just difficult enough. But is that not a level three? Yeah, no, it is. Feels like it might be a little bit stronger, <laughs> right? Like it can do more, right? That's the yeah. that's the point of it. I really like that, and uh, there's a lot of ad libbing you can do to it too. You know, kind of freestyling if you want to add to it, if you think it's not enough or what have you. Um, I think it's enough. It's perfect. But we drop down to ready made characters, and right here we don't need to talk about favorites or get into it because I really think this is a treat. This this place is made for anybody playing V five um, who just can't think of a character. Right, you can't think of to make it. You don't want to do the process; it's too long. Blah blah blah. Um, and you know, I've played, uh, had a privilege of playing with Dawkins in the game before. And you get the characters sent to you, and the way they set them up, like him and his team, the way they, the way they do it, it's really everything, right? It's, it's reasons. It's, it's why you are the way you are. What you might want to try to accomplish in goals. And you can see it being a quick pickup or a long-standing character to maintain, based on how you feel about it. And uh, there's a there's there's a lot that showcase that, and I think everybody prefers that. In particular, if you're someone that doesn't have a whole lot of time to invest in reading this book and that book, and you know you just want to play a game, you just want to show up, play a game, have fun with your friends, and move on. It's sometimes lighthearted and easier to do when it's provided for you, and that's and that's there. And there's a ton of them, um, and that's here. But all that being said, 
you guys have any parting comments before we're done? Get this I book. Do, Get this book. Well, the, the one thing that I thought was really, really great about this is one of the things, especially coming into V5 for people who feel like, oh, you know, old guard going like, I don't know if I want to play this game or not. Things are changing and blah, blah, you know, things happen. They don't shy away from the stuff that the, the Hikata do in any way, shape or form. If anything, this book only doubles down on the fact that you're playing something beyond what you normally would have found out, right? They do very good things. They do um, examples of rituals to exhausting extent. And they also tell you not all Hikata are the same, which means this one ritual is going to be performed differently and they all mishmash and posh. And that's what's making them work right now as the clan that they are is because they're at that level where they're starting to mix up their ideas. And it gives you, the player, the opportunity to not feel shy uh, and to my end, stop being lazy about just going like I burn a candle, high five. It's like make it your own ritual and make it interesting for the people that you're playing with because you have the opportunity to do so. So I thought that was really cool about this book. You can dance if you want to. Leave your friends <laughs> behind. All right. So um, that's uh, that's all we have with this, folks. Uh, I agree. Get this book. And we're obviously releasing this in addition to what we normally do. Uh, this came out and it happens to fall right in where we don't have to miss anything. So... Uh, Werewolf's up next, and we'll catch you when that comes out. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your time. Thank you guys for taking the time to join in and digest a bit, and uh, we'll catch everyone next time. Take care. Peace. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you liked what you heard, please reach out and let us know on Twitter at 25 Years of VTM at our email info at 25yearsvtm.com on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 25yearsvtm or on our website www.25yearsvtm.com If you would like to support us we can be found at patreon.com slash 25 years of vampire the masquerade